Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... This is Kevin O'Brien of EWTN's Theater of the Word. I'm excited also to teach middle school and high school literature, speech, and drama with homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. Your student can meet with me online for a live, interactive class. Whether you take apologetics with John Martinoni or grade school with Jackie De La Viaga, or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, online Catholic learning for your homeschooling family is available for you. This episode is brought to you by Hallow, the number one Catholic app. Hallow has 1,000 audio-guided prayers and meditations for you to deepen your relationship with God. To listen to all of the Hallow meditations for free for 30 days, head to hallow.com slash breadbox. One, two, three, listen. Welcome to the Shoot the Shiitake podcast with me, Father Leo Padalinghug, a Catholic priest on a mission to bring all different backgrounds of people together to learn to love and accept one another, even if we disagree. We've got to be willing to listen to each other as God does with us and as God expects for us to do with each other. And this podcast isn't about getting into the deck the deep or technical things of our Catholic faith, but it's more about making these things realistic and practical in our life simply by listening to each other. And this week I have the pleasure of listening to Father Simon Isaki and his dad, a deacon in the Chaldean church. What is a Chaldean? Well, we know that it is an ancient nation, but there's more to it than that. And that's my deep dish discussion. And if you want to support our podcast, simply go to the website platinggrace.com and click on donate, or better yet, become a member of the Academy, where you can, with a monthly subscription, support us, but also gain access to fantastic content premium perks, and special other little gifts as well. So, for now, enjoy my guest, the Chaldeans, as I dive into a deep dish discussion here on Shoot the Shiitake. And welcome back to Shoot the Shiitake with me, your host, Father Leo, for a deep dish discussion. And it's always a pleasure to be in families' homes and to have a great meal. And it's an even greater pleasure to have Deacon Asaki and his son, Father Asaki. In other words, his son is a Catholic priest and the dad is a deacon and you're Chaldean. And let's just jump right into it. Chaldean. Sounds pretty historical. Sounds pretty ancient. Tell me what is a Chaldean Catholic? Yes, thank you, Father Leo. Yes, thank you, Father Leo, for having us on your podcast and for visiting us here at, our, at my family's home in San Diego. The Chaldeans are some of the ancient inhabitants of Mesopotamia, which is modern-day Iraq. And so they existed before Jesus. You could read about our ancestors in the Old Testament. Mm. And uh, the main distinction about them from other people in the Middle East and in the world is that they spoke Aramaic, which is the language that uh, Jesus spoke. And they lived in the region of Mesopotamia. And after Jesus told the apostles to go to the whole world and to preach the gospel, St. Thomas, Thomas the apostle, went to Mesopotamia with two of probably some of the 72 disciples, Ede and Mari, and they evangelized the Mesopotamian people, among whom were the Chaldeans. Okay. And so they are, uh, our people are some of the first. Christians. Christians. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty amazing. And you are a priest for the Chaldean Church in 
the western part of the United States. Yes. I mean, tell me a little bit how how this all works. I mean, there's most people will understand churches having congregations, but sure. there's two. Tell me about the division yeah, of sure. how it all works for y'all. So there are about maybe 20 or so eastern rites of the Catholic Church. Yep. And what distinguishes... Name some of those. Just Sure. So there's the, the Chaldean, there's the Byzantine, which I'm sure many people have heard of. There's the Maronite, the Melkite, the Ukrainian. Ukrainian. And so Egyptian these... Coptic. Yeah, Egyptian Coptic. So these eastern rites of the church share the same faith, are in the, under the authority of the Pope, just like all Catholics. But basically, we have a different way of expressing that faith through the language that we use and through the liturgy and uh, customs of our church. Let's get that on there. And tell me, like, what would be some of the major differences okay. between, say, like, a Roman Catholic and a Chaldean Catholic? What would be the yeah. biggest differences in the way you approach your faith? Yeah, so this is Deacon Keith Isaki. I'm Father Simon's dad. It's basically each apostle, when they went into different part of the world, uh -huh. they took the same message, the message of the Last Supper and Emmaus, the Mass before the crucifixion and uh -huh. resurrection, Last Supper, and then the Mass after. So St. Thomas went to Iraq, and he took, as Father Simon said, uh, Adde and Mari. Maybe they were one of, you know, of the 72. And then he established the liturgy the liturgy of the Mass that the Lord taught, which is the proof that of the resurrection, all these liturgies. So the difference is we use the Aramaic language okay. versus, for example, Latin rite, they use Latin. Yep. Uh, so our uh, ancient language that we use is Aramaic. So if I were to say, like, the, in nomine Patris, Fili, Spiritus Sancti, which is in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit right. in Latin, yeah. how would it sound in... Chaldean. Right, right. So in Chaldean, it's Pshimma, Dbaba, Wubrona, Uruha, Tqudsha. Okay. So in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's the language that the Lord Jesus spoke, as you witnessed in the movie Passion of the Christ. Sure. It was all in Aramaic with English subtitles. And a very American accent, from what I understand, yeah, right. right? It was pretty Americanized. Okay, so knowing that there is an ancient faith, how did you all come to America? I mean, I just want to know, like, right. how many of you are there and how many came to America? Yeah, and because Christians, after the Muslim takeover of the Middle East in the 7th century, there were always waves of persecution. So, specifically, for example, my dad, he had to leave the country because he was being forced by the, gov by the socialist government of Saddam Hussein to join the Socialist Party. He had a very good government job. He was mm -hmm. CEO of a government organization. And when they tried to pressure him to join the Socialist Party, he refused. So they fired him, and he realized that his life was in danger because many of his colleagues and friends were captured, tortured, and killed, whoever would not agree with the Socialist government. So this is the reason why my grandfather, my, I'm sorry, my father <laughs> left the country my uncles were already in America. They left because they foresaw, many of them foresaw that there was going to be political and religious persecution. Sure. And they left for work. They left for a better life. Sure. Just like why everybody else wants to come to America. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning of the 20th century is when the few original pioneer Chaldeans arrived. They went to Michigan mostly. Yep. And then some in San Diego. Okay. And so now, so there's, tell me about the, 
the way the structure of the church works. Because most people will understand how in different states, in the United States, for example, there would be an area yeah. called a diocese or an archdiocese. How does it work for Chaldeans? Sure. And then tell me a little bit about the, the makeup of the numbers that you all sure. have. Yeah, because we don't have as many people in America as the Latin Rite uh, dioceses have, we have actually two, we have two Chaldean dioceses, or we call them eparchies, in America. One okay. for the eastern United States and one for the western United States, which we are a part of, and it's based here in San Diego. Here in San Diego, we have about fifty to 60,000 Chaldean people. Okay. Um, and then the rest of them are part of our diocese in the west. It's maybe 70,000 in our whole diocese. Okay, like, so if someone, say, winds up in North Dakota... Yeah, I mean, they'd have to come all the way out here because there's probably not too many Chaldeans in North Dakota. Yeah, they would. Uh, we would not have a church for them out Did there. Did you all pick San Diego because of the weather? I we mean, got honestly. very lucky that some Chaldeans picked Michigan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got San Diego. Well, I mean, a great look, deal. San Diego would probably be more the same kind of climate as you would have in originally Chaldea, right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, some people chose to go to Arizona, which is very similar to the, that, that would be, the well, weather in northern Iraq, which it, it gets very hot out there. Okay, so let me. I'm just going to ask you this sure. question, too. You are now the priest in the family. Does that kind of, like, make you king? <laughs> I mean, don't lie. I already kind of was because I was the only son. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I would like to hear from the dad. What is it like to have a son that's a priest? And then, were you a deacon before he became a priest? Yes. Yeah, I was ordained in 2006 uh, by Bishop Sarhad Jammu in San Diego. And when my son was born, it was my dream for him to be a priest. Oh. So I taught him to say, what, the, what do you want to be when you grow up? He would say, Chaldean Catholic priest. Really? And people would make fun of me and say, no, he'll change his mind. Even many priests and bishops, they would say, no, he's going to change his mind. He's going to go to the youth group. He's going to like girls and this and that. But he, thank he God. still did that too. <laughs> yeah. No, not really. No. So, uh, so thank God he, uh, there was a true vocation and calling and, uh, you know. But I do have to ask this because I've traveled around the world enough to know that when you have groups like Chaldean Catholics or particularly Lebanese Catholics because there's mm -hmm. a lot of them, yeah. they have a real strong cultural faith identity. I mean, they're all going to church. They believe, they pray. What is it? And is, is, it the, like, is it the saffron that you're putting in the rice, rice that keeps you all so Catholic? I mean, I really want to know because there's a lot of Anglo-Catholics, Anglo-American Catholics, who are going to think, how do I get my kids to go to church? When you go to the Chaldean church, the kids are going on their own. What is it that's bringing you all to the faith yeah. more accurately? I mean, like, are you forcing it on them? I mean, tell me, what do you do? What's the secret? So I think part of it is because of the persecution. You know, people are very close, hold on to their faith. What do you mean persecution? The religious persecution in, in countries where there is a Muslim majority. So in our culture, even in America, people gravitate around the church. So when you come to San Diego, most Chaldeans, 90% of them, there's about 70,000, 90% live in the city of El Cajon, very close to the church. So the area around the church would be full of Chaldean homes. You know, so we, same thing in Michigan and wherever you go, whether it's Australia or New Zealand, we gravitate around the church. Okay. And uh, the church becomes part of our life. By the way, one thing in Iraq, we used to call ourselves Mshihai. So 
We don't even call ourselves Catholic. That's one thing I would like to see is like, we don't say I'm Catholic. We say I'm Christian. Yeah, I'm Christian. You sure. know, in America, in Protestant, when, in countries where there is a lot of Protestants, uh-huh. it's like when you say Catholic, they, they, make, they think that that's not Christian or it's kind of a cult or whatever. Yeah. In our case, we are Catholic and we're very closely associated with the Catholic Church. But in the Middle East, we call ourselves Christian. Christians. Yeah. Well, they're yeah. a lot bigger fish to fry. Yeah, yeah for sure. Now, Father Asaki, um, you've got a unique kind of background. Uh, you know, you grew up just like a normal kid in California. Yeah. But you, you speak Aramaic. Yeah. And you speak Arabic as yes, well? Yes, I spoke more Arabic when I was younger because our, my family lived in Baghdad, the capital of Iraq. So they moved from the northern villages to Baghdad. And so they started to speak Arabic as well as Aramaic. And so I kind of knew both growing up. I actually knew Arabic better when I was growing up. But then when I joined the seminary, I really strengthened my Aramaic. And there I learned how to read and write. And then I was able to uh, celebrate and preach a full mass in Aramaic by the end of seminary. Okay, that kind of makes me sick. (laughs) And I'm a little jealous in a Christian way. Because... To fully understand the scriptures, you kind of have to know the ancient languages. Can you maybe give me an example of what your background in language has sure. done for you in understanding the scriptures? Yeah, one thing, for example, is the beginning words of the Hail Mary are the way that we say them is Shlama illach Maryam. It's peace be with you, Mary. And Shlama illach is just the normal greeting that we would say when we greet anybody. It's just peace be with you. And so that's just a cultural language thing that when you walk into a room with people that you haven't seen, you say peace be with you. And so it makes sense for us when we see multiple times Jesus after the resurrection, he said peace be with you. Wow. So the greeting is is bringing about peace and you know we see But that's Jesus. normal. It is normal, yes. And, and so, but what about the Hail Mary? I mean, because the Hail Mary sounds a yeah. little different. Did the angel Gabriel say, peace be with you, Mary? Or The what, angel Gabriel, well, uh, the way that Luke wrote it in the, the Greek. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's that one word where he, where he calls By her. the way, ladies and gentlemen, I just showed off that I know a little bit of Greek. Okay, <laughs> but, but go ahead, keep going. I like that. And so in the original Aramaic versions of the, of the Bible, it's always just the greeting that he said, which is which would be the equivalent of the word for hail, which is just yeah, hello, Ave, or, salve, yeah. yeah. And so um, it is uh, shlama Allah. shlama peace be with very you. Very similar to shalom. Yes, exactly. For, for the he, okay, Hebrew, this is yeah. this is really kind of fascinating stuff. Now let me go back to the dad real quick too, because dad, you you were a deacon. You kind of were obviously a very positive influence on your son. Yeah, uh, but I mean. You also gave him a life because he was, he kind of grew up in a very, I'll even say privileged lifestyle. What, what, what is yeah. your background that you came and were so successful? Right. So I was born in Baghdad and I grew up in Iraq. Uh-huh. And, but I came here, uh, I finished high school in San Diego, Al Cajon Valley High School. And then I, we were very attached to the church since we were in Iraq. Mm-hmm. We were very attached to the church. I used to go to daily mass at a Carmelite mission from Fra- France. And this is typical for the Chaldean community yes. in general. They'd go to mass all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we have daily mass. A lot of people go to daily mass. 
But we are just like the rest of the Catholic Church. You know, maybe we have a higher percentages, but close to 80% don't go to Mass every week, which is the biggest, I believe, is the biggest problem in the world that yeah. Catholics, Christians, do not participate in the Total divine liturgy. lukewarm Catholics drive me crazy exactly. too. So exactly. what, what I got to do though, I mean, you do have a great sense of community and family. I think that's going to be part of why you are so strong in your Catholic faith. So let me ask, you're an ancient religion. What are you doing to update? Because that's a big, I mean, that's why we had Vatican II, you know, and that kind of screwed things up for some people. But I'd love to hear what are you doing to update, to make the faith relevant to a third generation of Chaldeans yeah, the, who are probably not growing up yeah. even learning Aramaic or Arabic. Yeah, so we actually have translations of our liturgical prayers, the mm -hmm. um, evening and morning prayer, and we have now masses, you know, always in every mass that we do, there's some Aramaic just to keep the uh, traditional feel of the liturgy, but we have masses in English as well. And so we really, we the young priests, and that's another thing is that we have young priests like myself that can really interact with the youth of our community. We try to really teach the people about our church's history and about our, the saints of our church. We also have a, a different liturgical calendar mm -hmm. as well. So, so we really try to incorporate that in the life of the church in our youth groups that we do and in the Bible studies that we lead. So do you, are you experiencing the same struggles, though, that the other churches are experiencing, too? Just basically a secularization and kids not really giving a shiitake? <laughs> I like that. Yeah, well, that's we, the name of the show. <laughs> yeah. Sponsored by. <laughs> we are experiencing that, definitely. And we really try to make the best effort that we can. I mean... We go to the, you know, like we said earlier in this discussion that we have a lot of people living in the same area. So here in San Diego and specifically El Cajon, we have thousands of our Chaldean people living here. And so a lot of these youth go to the same schools. Okay. And so one of the programs that we started was we actually go to the schools, to the public schools. So there will be this criticism, and I'm just throwing it out, not sure. that I believe this, but they'll say, gosh, it sounds like you're all living in a little Chaldean bubble, <laughs> like a little Chaldean ghetto. Yeah. You know, I mean, is that a good thing, a bad thing? Tell me about how you interact with the rest of San Diego. Yeah, yeah. Father, thank you. That's a very good point. We live in like our own kind of, our own subculture. You know, we have our own stores that sell the food. We have the church. We have even, you know, yeah, I mean, halls for parties, you know, yeah. first communions and That's engagements, right. restaurants. restaurants. Okay. And there's a lot of people that come here. They, they don't even get a chance to learn the language. You know, I wanted to tell you one thing, Father, with respect to the modernization of the liturgy. We believe it's uh, not the right thing to modernize liturgy because the liturgy, we should stick with the way the apostles established the liturgy because the liturgy of the mass, the the belief that the body and blood, um, uh, the, the, the bread and wine turn to the body and blood of the Lord, and that's why we offer, is the proof of that God exists and a proof of the resurrection. Sure. Because when the apostles went... There was no Bible at that time, like in Protestant terms. For the first 300 years, it was not recorded. But they taught the liturgy. They taught the faith through the liturgy. So when our Mass starts, we start what the angels said uh, when the, Jesus was born. Glory to God in the highest. Mm -hmm. 
This is how our mass starts, the divine liturgy. And all of the Bible is contained in the Chaldean liturgy. And probably to some degree in other liturgies too. But we had one of our bishops used to say that the psalms we use for the morning prayer and the evening prayer are the same psalms that Jesus used to pray when he prayed. Mm -hmm. He said, we pray very close to the way the Lord himself prayed the morning prayer and the evening prayer. The, the liturgy of the hours, what, what is called in the, sure. in the uh, Latin rite. Sure. And then in the Chaldean rite, the, the liturgical seasons are different. So now some of them are the same. So now we are in Epiphany, right? So it starts with, uh, with Advent and then uh, Christmas and then Epiphany. But then the rest of the year is kind of different. It's basically Advent, Epiphany, and then Lent, Soma. These are the same. Then Resurrection, Ascension, Pentecost, Apostles, Repentance, Cross, and then Glorification of the Church. The last liturgical season is glorification of the church right before Advent. Oh, interesting. And we're trying to teach our new generation this, this liturgy, but it's not easy. Yeah, no, I get that. Now, Father Asaki, um, you had to make a reference about being young priest, and you kind of looked at me because I'm not young anymore, no, no. so thanks, I appreciate You're that. You're young and in great shape. Oh, God. He <laughs> is there another priest here to hear his confession? Because I'm going to beat him up, and then that priest I was, I was actually confession. wondering, after all this great food that you cook and eat, but you're... You're you know in good what? shape. You know what? I can't believe all the bullshit talking that I'm hearing right now on my show. This is just kind of unbelievable. But you, know, you are a young priest. I mean, yeah. actually, I will just say this, and I'm going to embarrass you. Yeah. I'm going to embarrass you. So you, you spoke at one of our conferences. Yes. And there was a young girl who was uh, looking at the conferences, and she saw the priest, and she goes, oh, my gosh. These priests are good looking. We oh, call no. them like Father What a Waste. <laughs> what a waste. So, so let me ask you, like, I've got to ask you a little bit of your vocation sure, story sure. because you've been ordained for how many years now? In Almost six. Yeah. Okay, in 2015. So you're still a baby priest, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. And, and because I'm, it's my opinion, it's the right opinion. <laughs> it right? Is. No, no so, I am. But when did you get your vocation? Like, at what point did you realize, oh my gosh, sure. all that stuff that dad is talking about, yeah. it's real? Yeah. So like my dad said, I wanted to become a priest from when I was little, actually. Ew. I Really? I used, yeah, honestly. From did when I was little. Did you play Mass? I, I did play Mass, and okay. um, I would tell the priest. There was one priest at my church, and I would tell him that I want to be a Chaldean Catholic priest when I was eight years old. But when I got to high school, just like you mentioned, yep. I actually kind of drifted away from the priestly vocation. And, sure. Um, but I still never lost the faith. Sure. So I stayed in touch with my church, and it was a great thing that I had a, a good youth group when I was in high school, and I went to the youth group, and that's what inspired me actually to get involved in uh, leadership of the church and okay. you know, teaching catechism. And um, uh, some friends and I started a uh, club at our high school, which I which I mentioned we uh, currently we go visit some of the high schools here and we spread the gospel. And so that actually okay. started when I was in high school. So I just really wanted to serve the church in some way. Okay. I didn't know. There was a time when I didn't want to be a priest, but I was still faithful to the church and I wanted to be involved. And then actually at the end of high school, our bishop 
our uh, bishop at the time started a seminary for our diocese because we did not have a seminary. It was a, interesting. Actually, he was the first bishop of our diocese. Okay. Um, so we started a seminary, which, which was just a small house nearby the church, and we would go to school at one of the Catholic universities around here, uh, John Paul Catholic. And so actually right after high school, I joined the seminary. Oh, gosh. Yeah, right after high school. So uh, let me get asked. I mean, any any regrets? There, there any, were no regrets. Any challenges? There were a lot of challenges. Lots of challenges. Yes, okay. A lot of challenges, especially being so young. I was seventeen when I joined the seminary. Oh my goodness! But the good thing was that the seminary was only ten minutes away from my parents' house, so <laughs> so you can come back. Here <laughs> wasn't to too bad. Yeah, yeah. I would. So I would still have my mom's food a lot. <laughs> okay, good for you. Now I'm just going to ask your dad one thing too, just about like, what is it like? <clears throat> I'm sure you're very proud of your son. Yep, absolutely, uh, of course. But what would it be for you to kind of see him? Because you were a deacon at his ordination. Right, absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah, How yeah. much did you cry? Yeah, this was, uh, <laughs> of course, it's very emotional. It's still always emotional. Uh, his mom and I are still in awe that our son is a priest because we realize that what is it? A priest is, is another Christ, who offers the Father the divine liturgy and the divine sacrifice. So we constantly pray for him. We fast for him every month to make sure, you know, to pray for him, for his vocation, for the Lord to give him strength, especially to live a life of chastity and holiness. And he happens to be very committed to his mission and doing a lot of uh, rosaries, they call him actually the TikTok priest. The you TikTok probably know. priest, yes, <laughs> I noticed. You know, he does a lot of foods like you. You know, yeah. he's, he, he followed in your footsteps. Oh, I mean, I saw yeah, him. Yeah. I saw him actually yeah. do something that I don't know if I can actually forgive you. What, what did you Please. do? You combined a chicken, Chick-fil-A nugget, and you put it in uh, the a, mac and in cheese the, and the, in the fry. mac and cheese and wrapped <laughs> it up in a fry. Yeah. Okay, you are definitely Catholic not Connect take, shared that. You're definitely <laughs> not taking my job, <laughs> right? Not with that kind of nastiness. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding with you. What, I, let me ask you this as we kind of bring this to a close here. What, what exactly is your hope for the Chaldean community? Because it's, again, for many people, it sounds like you all are living in a protected sure. bubble. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as Christ, we were sent into the world. Uh-huh. What exactly, as a priest, is your mm. hope for the Chaldean community? I hope that our people can keep their faith strong in Christ and s- spread the gospel without losing their heritage and the traditions and the language that are so rich and valuable to us and the rest of the world, really. So. Yeah. We are worried about that, obviously, because actually this is the first time that there are so many Chaldean people outside of Iraq. We are all over the world You're now. You're a diaspora I mean, now. Yeah, about a century ago, we were basically all in one region in the country where we called home, which we called home. And now we are all over the world. And so it is a big challenge that the church is undertaking now to keep the people united in faith and in the uh, traditions of our liturgy and our church and it's and it's really both of those things that will that we hope will lead the people to be strong in their faith and to have an impact on the rest of this world oh it's really beautiful i got one more question before we close we've never really met except for just on internet yeah and that always sounds creepy (laughs) (laughs) but on on instagram where can people first find you and follow you sure i'm mainly on instagram and tiktok 
So either father underscore Simon or father dot Simon. Very simple okay. and easy. I'm on Twitter as well. Okay. And I just try to do my best to, yeah. to spread the gospel. No, you're doing a great job. Yeah. And I am Chaldean. <laughs> oh, here we go. I am Chaldean Deacon. Chaldean Deacon. On Twitter. On Twitter. Instagram and Facebook. Okay, wow. When I tell young people, we give talks about chastity sometimes, me and Father Simon. When I tell them, you know, I am follow me on, on Instagram and Facebook, they start laughing. I still can't figure out why young people laugh when I tell them to follow me. <laughs> <laughs> it's because that's what Jesus said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So last question here before we bring it to a close. I mean, again, we've just met. Sure. Thank you again for having me in your home for this amazing meal, meeting your great family. You could hear them in the background. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to hear. It's just a normal Chaldean family. Yeah. You sound like every other family. <laughs> what can I do to help you? Keep doing your awesome cooking show on EWTN. <laughs> Every 4.30 Eastern, check your local <laughs> listing. <laughs> One thing, Father, uh, we always po- point and bring to attention to the, peop- the, to the people's attention, the Christian persecution. What, because as you probably know, we have martyrs, we have priests and bishops. Father Raghid Ghani, you know, in Mosul, Iraq, during the height of the ISIS persecution, he left mass with three subdeacons and they were gunned down. Mm. There was an Orthodox priest. You know, my, my brother-in-law is an, is an Syriac Orthodox, an Orthodox priest in Mosul who was a married priest. He was decapitated, you know, by ISIS. Mm. A bishop, Bishop Faraj Rahu. People don't know about the persecution. Organizations like March for the Martyrs, G.H. Akon and Richie, they're giving attention on that. So we just like to, the world to know that there is per- Christian persecution. But unfortunately, it's beginning to happen in America now. As you know, forcing uh, religious organizations like Sisters of the Poor and others to prescribe prescription in their insurance plans, this is a form of Christian persecution. Even forcing us to pay from our tax dollars for abortion, I believe this is fascist Christian persecution. Sure. So uh, th- this is, I believe that there's a lot of people and people I know who are atheists, they hate Christ. They hate Christians. Simple. I mean, and I think it's demonic. I used to work uh, at a, uh, run my, 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 my uncle's business and one day, a young lady, uh, young, I mean, a woman opened uh, a deli. She was wearing a cross. And one of my customers said, I'm not going to go there because she's Christian. She's wearing a cross. Mm. This is in the early 80s. So there is hatred and persecution of Christians in the West more than anywhere else. But it's subtle. But I hope it's not going to turn into putting priests in jail and closing down churches, which happened during the COVID crisis. Yeah, you know, I I think the reality (laughs) is that uh, there is a new type of martyrdom. We know there's a white martyrdom called the purity, a red martyrdom for the blood, people actually die. I think there's a blue martyrdom that's coming out now, and that's trying to destroy your reputation, destroy your livelihood. So this has been fascinating for me to get to know a little bit. I'm very familiar with uh, different forms of Catholicism, the different Mm -hmm. rituals, but this will be my first experience of the Chaldean community. Uh, And literally, when I went to your cathedral, it kind of felt like Chaldean Disneyland. I mean, they were like, (laughs) oh, yeah, it's quite, quite shocking, actually, to see it. And it's very impressive. And because of the struggles, I can see why you stick together. Yeah. So it's a really beautiful thing. Any final thoughts, Father? 
just thank you for your ministry, Father. Uh, we really love to have your, your presence on social media, and uh, we really love what you do and are thankful for it. So. I, uh, I, I'll pay you later. <laughs> Listen, when I come back, I'm going to give you my carryout order. What did I learn from both Deacon and Father Asaki when we return in just a moment? And welcome back to Shoot the Shiitake with me, Father Leo, for my carryout order after having a family discussion with the Chaldeans. I realized something. Chaldeans are just like Filipinos. Oh my gosh. They're just a little taller. That's what they are. No, they are very much all about family. And this is something that I've learned from a lot of Arabic community-speaking Christians. They take their faith incredibly seriously because they are not only rooted to the ancient lands, but they're also very connected to the persecution that they experience because of the fact that they are not a huge number of them, but also the persecutions from other religious groups that kind of want to in a way, snuff them out, either with economy or with social issues. So you can see how the reason why they are so strong in their faith is because they had, quote-unquote, bigger fish to fry. The other thing that I get from this community is their intensity. So not only are they serious, they kind of have this intensity for living. And this living is always done with family. The You heard them all in the background, just kind of screaming and acting like my family would. And it was great that there was no pretense. No one was trying to kind of shush anybody. Occasionally, you would see them kind of like put their finger to their lips to quiet somebody down. But it was just them allowing themselves to be family, which, you know, it's a great carryout order for all of us. Do we treat our parishes, our churches like family, where you can kind of be yourself Obviously, the best version, we got to realize it's God's house, and there's a level of formality to it, but at the same time, do you feel like those people are your brothers and sisters in faith? That's what I get whenever I visit uh, an Arabish community that practices their Christian faith. It's all really part of the family. The third thing that I carry out is uh, knowing an ancient language that's kind of intense, to know that they speak Aramaic and that they also have experiences of Arabic. Boy, I just feel like an idiot sometimes because I barely know Italian and I know a couple words in Latin and in Greek, and then I can order great food at a Spanish restaurant. (laughs) But that doesn't mean that I'm really going to understand something unless I get deep into the linguistics. And if you really want to understand the Bible, you've got to get connected to the ancient languages. So, That's kind of like my carryout order. I realize that if I want to learn the Bible, I'm going to make Father Isaki read it to me and translate it according to the ancient original language. So there is a lot for me and hopefully for all of you as I want to thank you for listening and my special guest, the Asaki family, Father Simon and his dad, the Reverend Deacon, and the whole family that was gathered there, including Mama Asaki, who made some pretty amazing food. It was really a great experience, one that will help me remember the blessings of having a job like this. But if you want to support the work that we do, please make sure you like this, subscribe to the podcast, share it with family, friends, parishioners, and pastors, and also click on donate if you go to platinggrace.com and also 
consider just becoming a member of the Academy, where if with a small monthly donation, you get access to amazing content and premium perks. But between now and the next time we shoot the shiitake, once again, thank you for listening and stay hungry for God. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree.